Okay, Pushing Rubber Cod Podcast, episode 46. This is Adam Piggott. Yes, I wasn't, I didn't do an episode last week. And I do an episode every week, which is now not true, because I didn't do an episode last week. Why not? I was going to come out with all these good excuses, but when I thought about it, the actual reason, I sat down twice last week to report, record, record, podcast and it didn't happen uh and the reason was i just didn't have anything to say last week there was nothing that was grabbing me by the balls and saying i have to speak about this i get a few hundred listens a week last one's got almost 500 because cappy linked to it generally around 250 listens so that's, you know, 200, 250 people who are giving me their time. You're giving me your time. And I'm not about to waste your time when I've got nothing to say, but I feel like I have to get something out to give you content because it's not content if there's no content, is is there? Because if I do that a few times and people are like, yeah, yeah, it's all right, but these last couple of ones, oh, mm, I kind of skipped around a bit. Can't be doing that. So that's why there was no episode last week. I apologise. But on the other hand, I don't apologise because I'm not about to waste your time. So what are we going to be talking about this week? This week we're going to be talking about the media. And this week I want you to understand that you believe the media. Even if, look, I know that If you're listening to this, that means you read my blog or you found me some other way and you generally look at the world maybe the same way I do. But I'm sorry, you still believe the media when it suits you. And uh, this was really driven home to me this week when I wrote a post that was called Europe versus Australia. And the post, the article was about the reasons that I'm moving to Europe, because a lot of people privately have expressed, uh, and, and these these are people, well, I, I met up with someone uh, from an online magazine last week. Um, he's the editor of the online magazine. Um, uh, well, I'll, probably he doesn't have a problem with me saying it. I met up with David Hillcox from XYZ magazine who's the uh, editor, uh, and he reposts a lot of my articles. I'm, I'm happy to give him my art- some articles for free because I'm trying to, you know, get my message out there. And I generally like what they're doing at XYZ Magazine. And you can find the link to XYZ on my blog list, which is in alphabetical order. So if you can't find that, go and shoot yourself now. Um, and... He, he he expressed, you know, not surprised, but he was quite interested in why I was moving to Europe because here in Australia, there is this um, uh, attitude that, that Europe is doomed. Um, and it's interesting because the media tries to portray Europe as if I suppose everything's fine because they want the multicultural. This is Australian media I'm talking about. They want the multicultural uh, 
thing to keep on going and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then we still get through the report to the terrorist activities and, you know, the election, we had the election in Holland and the referendum in Italy and Brexit. Uh, and now we've got the French election coming up. Um, and the general, the general view, I think if you, if you take it is that Europe, Europe is in some serious shit. You've got all the millions and millions of economic migrants posing as refugees flooding into uh, the continent, that sort of thing. You've got the awful European Union and it's, you know, over unelected bureaucratic um, governmental system. But this information all comes to you from the media. That's where, that's where it all comes from. Now, I've lived in Europe. I lived in Europe for 10 years. And I think as an Australian, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good bat. And when I say Europe, I don't mean Great Britain. In fact, I don't consider Great Britain to be Europe, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But I mean continental Europe. I lived in Italy for 10 years. Uh, and I'm moving to Holland because that's where my wife is from. She's Dutch. Um, I've also spent a fair bit of time in Europe since we left. We've been back three times over the last six years and spent about a month in Europe each time. And that's not a month going around on some tour bus visiting the sites. That's a month in Italy and Holland because we've got ties to both and being with Italians and Dutch people. Not with a tour guide on a bus or staying in hotels or something like that. Though we do stay in hotels often when we're in Italy. So we're talking with people on the ground. We have strong roots there in both countries and we know what's going on. I was last back there in January, three months ago. Spent a month. So I wrote this uh, article, Europe versus Australia, in response to my chat with David at XYZ magazine, because he said, could you write an article about it? And I'll post it up. I was like, fine. So I'll link the article on the notes back on my blog, um, but it's, it's only, it's only, it was, writ, it was I published it on the 26th of April, so it's not too long ago, just a few days ago, um, a week ago, let's say. Um, so, I describe in the article that this is a strategic move to Europe because I think Australia is in a lot more trouble than Europe is. And here are the reasons. Now, we're told that European culture is in serious problems because of all the internal and external attacks upon it. And primarily these are multiculturalism, Islam, and the economic malaise that has infected Europe um, since the introduction of the common currency. Um, multiculturalism obviously is a line of betrayal, uh, which is the intent of it is destroy the, the culture of the host nations, like a parasitical, um, parasitical attack in this sort of sense. To be successful though, the target culture has to be vulnerable. And the, the, vul- the ways that a target culture is vulnerable is that, particularly is that it's a young, I think there's three reasons, a young culture, 
So the country's not very old. So Australia's only 200 years old. Um, and the nation really only got going in about 1901. So that's it's pretty young. And before that, remember, there was nothing. There was just the Stone Age. Uh, literally. <clears throat> the culture has to be pretty young. Um, the culture can't have strong roots and Australian culture doesn't have strong roots so consider 200 years of culture and that's really pushing it because until about 1880 Australia was just some disparate barely populated corners of the continent to call it a culture it didn't really get going until about 1890 in the Boer War in South Africa a gold rush in Australia both in Victoria and in Western Australia bringing large numbers of population in and bringing wealth to the country. Then the Boer War put Australia on the international stage because Australia sent a fighting force, even though it was small. That was the first real, I think, um, international step of Australia taking part in these things. And then, of course, the First World War really, really began, if you look at the culture of Australia. So if we take, if we take let's say the culture of Australia goes from 1880 up to present day, well, that's barely 130 years. Multiculturalism has been pushed heavily in Australia since the 1970s. So that's 40 years of multicultural in 130 years of a culture. Now, the Dutch culture is, is seven, eight, nine hundred thousand years old. Italian, well, that's even longer. Um, so for a third of Australia's cultural history, its identity has been multiculturalism, which is an attack. So the attack in Australian culture began, um, only 70 or 80 years into its existence, uniquely vulnerable. And here's the third one, and I, I didn't write about this on the article, but... Thinking about it and looking at the responses to my article around the internet, which I'll get to in a second. This is why there's you believe the media. This is this is the, the topic for this this podcast. I think Anglo-Saxon cultures are uniquely vulnerable to multiculturalism. So Britain, Canada, USA, Australia, New Zealand. If you look at the progressive PC madness that is going on in the Western world right now, it is primarily centred in Anglo-Saxon countries, countries that originated in the British Empire. Been to Italy this year, been to Holland. Now, I know France is having some serious issues. France has its head in the sand, but what's happening in in with the freedom of speech the, the university and college campus culture the complete like the safe schools indoctrination here in australia where they're li openly teaching homosexuality to eight-year-old school kids as if this is a, a lifestyle choice and something that'd be cool um this this whole transgenderism this I, this multiple genders sort of shit this shit doesn't exist in countries like Holland or Italy. I mean, it's just not there. And multiculturalism 
has not had anywhere near the impact in these type of countries that it has in Anglo-Saxon countries. I was reading an article on Vox Day's site, because Vox lives in uh, Italy, and there's a virtue signaler uh, in the little in the town that he lives, he was describing, who adopted um, some black African babies, you know, to, to project their goodness. And Vox was saying in the article, I'm paraphrasing, but when they go into the markets, people, Italians, native Italians, view them badly, view this woman badly, give her shit. Why has she betrayed her culture in this way? That, if you think that the acceptance level that, that uh, African immigrants get in the free pass they get in Anglo-Saxon multicultural societies does not exist in places like Italy. You're absolutely dreaming if you think it's any way equatable, because it's not. They are absolutely despised by the native population. Despised in every way, shape or form. Affirmative action hires, uh, equality and diversity, all this stuff, does not exist in any way, shape or form. It's not even comparable in these countries to what goes on in Anglo-Saxon countries. I spoke about economics and about Australia's problems, and I don't want this to go too long. <coughs> <coughs> Well, I also had to talk about Islam in my article, and I spoke about the fact that Europe's been threatened by Islam constantly over a thousand-year period, and it's, it's proven very good. Europe has a very good track record of getting rid of large numbers of people that it doesn't want. And that includes very recent history. All right? And it is aided, aided upon, upon this by the cultures of Europe and its geo geography is easy to get rid of large numbers of people australia our only protection geographically is not letting them in in the first place in that regards australia is just about impregnable good luck trying to get you here and we don't want you but since we've we spent the last 40 years bringing in hordes of immigrants into this country. Uh, I was speaking on the weekend with a couple who have a teenage son in one of uh, Melbourne's elite grammar schools. 95% of the students in this elite Melbourne grammar school with, with historical roots going back 100 years are either Asian or Indian. 95%. On fast track scholarships. You stand outside this school when the school gets out in the afternoon and all the boys come out and they are, you could be in Hong Kong or Mumbai, as far as I'm concerned. This does not happen in Europe. We haven't sold out our country this way. They haven't sold out their countries this way, I should say. So the invasion of, of Australia has all... We look at Europe and go, oh, a million, a million coming in. Well, what's the population of Europe? 
400 million? What's the population of Australia? 25 million? How many have we let in? Pauline Hanson, the Australian politician, 25 years ago, in 1996, I think it was, uh, when she first ran for parliament, protested that we were being, the famous quote was, we were being swamped by Asians. Now, I went back over the census data, and 25 years ago, the Asian population immigrants in Australia was 800,000 of 18 million population. It's 5% of the population 25 years ago. You walk around in a city, Melbourne now, or anywhere in Melbourne or Sydney, you could be in Hong Kong. It's literally Hong Kong or Mumbai. That's what it is. As a percentage of a population, we have already been invaded. And good luck geographically getting rid of these people. Good fucking luck. Economically, everyone looks at Europe and goes, Malays, Malays, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Australia has completely mismanaged its economy in the last 15 years. We had the global financial crisis in 2008, and Australia had, at that point, a surplus of, I think, around $100 billion. We're one of the only countries. We spent all of that and then went another $100 billion into debt so we wouldn't have a recession. Because no government apparently now wants to have a recession. Australia hasn't had a recession since 1991. A whole generation of workers in Australia, there's a plane going over, or a helicopter or something, not in a flight path, whole generation of workers in Australia have, have never even lived with a recession, let alone worked in one. I was just in the workforce when the last recession happened. We have spent our way out of recession after recession. We have completely stuffed our economy. And then the Conservative government got in in 20... Was it 2011 or 2012 or 2013? I can't remember. And they proceeded, instead of rolling back the debt that the left put in, in five years in power, the Conservatives have managed to double it, which is astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. I'll go through the economic things that I wrote about just briefly. Uh, where the laughing stock, Australia's a laughing stock of Southeast Asia. I spoke to businessmen up in Singapore. Australia sends up trade delegations with these female delegates who, who lecture their Singaporean, uh, Malaysian, Indonesian hosts and tell them what they should be doing with the with their economies. And the Asians just listen politely and behind the back think we're a fucking joke. They think we're absolutely mad. No country, as I wrote, no country in the world has hamstrung its own economy under such a raft of regulations, but particularly those in Australia which are referred to as health and safety, as Australia has done. I worked for a health and safety company training in the offshore oil and gas industry. Um, <clears throat> as I recall, we had a company um, task risk assessment sh document or something like that on how to light a barbecue for a, uh, a staff barbecue day. The amount of paperwork... It, this this little this little company I worked for had 100 employees. It was like they were voluntarily bureaucratic. It was mind-boggling to watch the waste. I worked for big mining companies. I saw how much money was spent on health and safety, but just made absolutely no sense at all. Australians talk the big talk about being independent-minded. 
And if you think back to the First World War, the Australian soldiers really pissed off, really annoyed their British officers. Because if the British officers gave orders that were just ridiculous, even slightly ridiculous, the Australian troops would basically turn around and tell them to get fucked. They weren't going to do it. Then what are you going to do about it? And this happened time and time and time and time again. Australia, Australians live on this. We live on this mentality of, of bucking authority, of, of telling them where to stick it. But that was Australians of 100 years ago. Australians now might whinge, but no matter how stupid the law, no matter how ridiculous in the extreme, Australians will follow it and dob in their fellow Australians who don't do it. Our bicycle helmet laws are a classic example of this. Europeans don't do this. Italians are brilliant at finding a way around. The first people in Italia to find their way around a new law are the police. What else have we done economically? We have an enormous property bubble. The largest, I think, in history. The most inflated property prices in the world. I think... And it was the most, as I was reading the other day, the 10 most expensive places per, per capita on income in, Australia, in the world to buy a property. I think Australia had five or six cities in the top 10. Mel- Sydney was number two on the list in the world. I think Melbourne was number four, but I'm, I'm, par- I'm just throwing stuff. But unbelievable property bubble here. We're looking at average property prices being 10 to 12 times the average salary uh, of uh, an Australian. And by the way, the average salary in Australia is around $85,000, just to give you an, an idea of how inflated everything is here. At the moment, there's a big argument going on in Australian politics about gas supplies to the domestic market because the government sold off all of our gas supplies to foreign interests, they sold away the rights with no provisions to supply the domestic market and then banned gas exploration. And they wonder why now we've suddenly got a gas crisis in a country with some of the largest energy reserves in the world. Our electricity prices are tripling every year. So, Culturally, demographically, economically, Australia. Oh, Europe, economically, you might be thinking, all right, blah, 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 blah. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I'm dying here. (coughs) Ah. Have I got water? Economically, what did I write about it, about Europe? Europe's economic problems have been exacerbated by the euro and the EU as a whole, but this stagnation is artificial, which means that when the dam breaks and the EU falls, it will inevitably usher in a period of economic prosperity as countries regain control of their individual economies and currencies. The ability to devalue a currency in order to make exports and tourism more competitive 
We'll see countries in the EU that are able to manage the transition competently to do very well indeed. Great Britain, all I mean, all of the all of the forecasts, Brexit, if, if, if Britain leaves the EU, its economy will collapse. Blah, 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 blah. It's going gangbusters. It's absolutely going gangbusters. The fastest growing economy in Europe, one of the fastest in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the good wife and I are presently uh, uh, negotiating on a property in Holland, and we're seeing the property prices relative to the income over there, and we couldn't even dream of being able to purchase a property that we're negotiating on at the moment in Australia. We just couldn't dream of it, and we have high salaries. We can't afford to buy here. Oh, we don't want to live anyway. We could go regional. But. Okay. Now, I've set all that out for you. How long has this been going for? 25 minutes, all right. So I've set this out. So this got cross-posted on the XYZ magazine, and they also get a lot of comments going on Facebook normally. And this one got a few dozen and here's the really interesting thing. I started reading the comments, and they, they, only, posted it, they only posted it two days ago. Um, and almost to a T, every commenter agreed with me about my economic evaluation of Australia, because you just can't miss it. Yeah, Australia's been so badly managed. But on demographics and culture... I got 100% pushback. <clears throat> In other words, no one agreed with me. Everyone thinks I'm barking mad. Um, comment, no, Europe is no good. They let too many in. The repercussion of this will be horrible in about 50 years as their birth rate is very high. Has this person walked around Melbourne? Does he have his eyes open? I was in Italy in January. You know who I saw? Italians. You know who served me in shops? Italians. You know who served me in hotels? Italians. You know who, uh, in a gas station, I wanted to get my fuel? Italians. Italians, 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 Italians. The only multicultural enrichers that I saw were begging on station, ta train station platforms. Holland. Go into a shop? Dutch. Driving the bus, Dutch. Ticket collector on the train, Dutch. Working in a pharmacy, Dutch. Pumping gas, Dutch. Menial jobs, Dutch, 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 Dutch. Everywhere I went. Try that in Melbourne. Go get your go get your fuel from a gas station. Asian, Indian. Go into a pharmacy, Asian. Indian, go to a corner store, Asian, Indian, go down to your supermarket who will be serving you, hods on, Asian, Indian. These people are fucking dreaming if they think the demographics of Europe are compromised. They're believing the media bullshit, they're believing, they're believing what, they're, what they're seeing on the media, I just can't believe it. It's true. Uh, I'll just go. He's right about our economic stupidity, not so convincing about Europe bouncing back. Next. This article, unfortunately, fails to address the real issue in Europe demographics. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, where was the best one though? Uh, Europe has lost its generational nerve for getting rid of large numbers of people. Uh, where is the one I wanted to use? I had it open so I could read it. Um, oh, there's too many and I can't find it. And the, the, the comments were the same on on the, the post on XYZ itself from the magazine. I I'm quite stunned. I was quite stunned at these comments. I can't find the one I wanted to, to read to you, which is annoying me, so I'm a bit distracted. I don't know. I'll stop. I'm just absolutely stunned by these these comments. Um, so my, to go back, the thesis, leaving Australia, because wife is Dutch, she wants to go back to Holland, and I'm happy to go back to Europe because I miss Europe a lot. And I only came back to Australia because I had to, economically, six years ago. But it's also a strategic move on our part because I truly think that we've stuffed this country. I truly think Australia can't bounce back from this. Too high a percentage of the population now is not Australian. And what does it even mean to be Australian? I mean, as I wrote in my article, let's have a look. Our culture and national identity are now so weak that anyone can turn up on our shores, partake in a citizenship ceremony and openly declare from that point that they are Australian. In fact, you don't even have to do that. You can just turn up, start working, start calling yourself Australian. Whereas I, if I, after spending 10 years in Italy and I speak fluent Italian, if I were to go around declaring that I'm an Italian in Italy, the people would look at me as if I was soft in the head and they'd be right. Look, I'm about to move to Holland. I'm not Dutch. I'm going to be a foreigner for the rest of my life if that's where we stay. I'm not happy about leaving Australia, but this is the card I played when I married someone from another country. You know, it was either her here or me there. I then wrote, if anyone in the world can be of your national identity, then you have no national identity. How hard is that to understand? Who are the Dutch? Who are the Italians? Who are Australians? When you envisage Australia now, what do you envisage? Because if you've still got this white Australian Anglo-Saxon picture in your head, then coming here to Australia will be a big old shock. Let me tell you, it's not what it is anymore. But yet, if I give you a picture of a, someone who is Dutch or Italian or Austrian, or whatever, you know what that picture is. And it is still that picture. Yes, they've let in quite a few. But as a percentage of a population, it is startlingly low in comparison to Australia. And their culture is strong. Their cultures have deep roots. Ours doesn't. 
And Anglo-Saxon culture is uniquely vulnerable to multiculturalism. Why that is, I do not yet know. But as I said, you look at all these things, you look at all these countries in the world where this is just running ramshod, and they're all Anglo-Saxon-based countries. Interesting, isn't it? And yet these people believe. What do they believe? Because they believe the media. They believe it. Even when they're walking around and they're seeing the effect on Australian streets, they still think that somehow that Europe... Europe has gone to the dogs, and we're much better off here in Australia. No, you're not. Worse than that, you're trapped with them. And in a multicultural society, when the demographics of one race hit the 50% button, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-bang, that's what your culture is in a multicultural society. So if, if it gets to 50% Indians here, it's India. Yeah? With all of the nepotism, all of the corruption all of the caste system that you want, etc. Africa, get in Africans, eventually the numbers get up, you'll get Africa. Tribal, chief-based society. There's a reason that Africa, the entire continent of Africa, is one ginormous fucker. It's culture. Get in Asians, I don't know. Maybe that'll be good. Maybe that'll save Australia because Singapore is probably the world's leading country on every scale at the moment. But we've got a mishmash. We don't have, you know, a couple of million Singaporeans. It'll probably be China. Chinese. Hong Kong. Maybe Hong Kong is the best that Australia can become. Something like that. And yet these people these people still have all this on their streets in front. The reason that they agree with me on the economics is because it's like, you know, young people will be committed leftists until they get their first job and get their first tax, they get their first paycheck and see how much they've just given to the government or the government has stolen from them. Suddenly all those lefty, those lefty ideologies and ideals all come crashing home and fall in the shit when it's your hip pocket that's been hit. So they can't deny the economics now. You're seeing the prices of your power bills. You're seeing the prices of your gas bills. You're seeing what's going on on the source shit, the prices of property. It's impossible. The hip pocket talks. But yet they walk around the streets of, of Australia and the demographics are literally staring them in the face. And they still believe that Europe somehow is sunk. Europe somehow is sunk. You must be joking. Here's another example of the media. I've been reading today, all this stuff came out. Clicked over to Cynical Libertarian Society's blog, and every Wednesday he does his linkage uh, around the place. Link to me. Thanks, great one. Um, but he's got all this stuff on um, the sugar interest industry and how basically there's this report that 60 years ago, uh, the American sugar uh, association conspired with uh, two so-called scientists um, at Harvard University, paid them the equivalent of forty-eight thousand dollars in twenty sixteen currency, um, and the researchers never disclosed this funding. And Hegstead and Starr then um, any study that impacted implicated sugar in cholesterol uh, or in coronary heart disease, 
they debunked it, attacked it, attacked the, the reputations of the scientists who wrote the paper, blah, 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 blah. They just needed to make sure that sugar didn't get hit with um, coronary heart disease implications, and they dumped it all on saturated fats, salt, sodium, uh, meat, or protein, and pushed low carb, high-carb, low-calorie diet, um, and guess what? Saturated fats. You know the old the old image we got taught in school of uh, an artery, uh, kind of like a pipe, and then the fats build up on the sides and eventually clog it. Yeah, yeah. Completely false, apparently. Who would have thought it? Apparently, to have a uh, apparently to have a healthy uh, a healthy diet, uh, all you need to do is um, do twenty two min- minutes of exercise day like walking and eat real food what does real food means well not packeted shit not instant dinners or anything like that uh, that's, that's one of the things i love about italy my time in italy so much like i always ate well before then but italy and italians italian culture taught me about food and they taught me how to eat food properly and prepare food properly so real food so go out buy your lamb shoulder cut into cubes what did we do last night? We did like this Moroccan spice thing. Marinated the lamb shoulder cubes in garlic, ginger, um, almonds, and a little bit of water that had all been pureed up. Um, cooked that up with some onion, some cream, cardamom pods, cinnamon. Served it with rice. Beautiful. We eat like that every fucking day. Something comparable. Real food and exercise that's all you need over the america blog which is on my list as well all these ones are on my list basically all of this all of this stuff has been gone through for the last 60 years and the media have pushed it hard the media have pushed it hard. And I, as a young man, I had an inherent scepticism. That's why one of my nicknames amongst my oldest friends is Reality Check. Adam's the Reality Check. Because we're all, we're all, they're all in there getting group huggy and all this. And it's just like, I always used to say, what's the agenda? What's the agenda behind this article? What are they trying to sell you? Oh, no, they're giving you this information for the good. No, no, no. What are they trying to sell you? And there was a the, the comment that I just loved the most on the America one, and the cynical libertarian liked it the most as well, was this comment by Missy. This is just natural selection. If you can't figure out when you're being lied to, you'll be weeded out of the long-term picture. The grand prize winner is there's no such thing as race. Absolutely right. If you're believing all this stuff on climate change, just believing everything that they tell you, you're believing all of this stuff that, that you have to... Butter is bad. What about butter is bad for you, but margarine is great? Remember, remember that? Margarine is made from petroleum. Petroleum products. That's what margarine is. It's an offshoot of petroleum. What can we do with this stuff? Could we make it into a food? Oh, they'd never eat that. It's a margarine's petroleum. Butter is bad. And, and, and at the same I mean, at the same time they were pushing all of this butter is bad 
they couldn't hide the fact that the French stuff butter down their gobs like it's going out of fashion and were living well into their 80s on average. They couldn't hide from that one. Oh, it must be the red wine, and then it was this. And blah, blah. Look, any time there is X food causes cancer, blah, 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 just, just, just put a bullet in the brain of a kitten in, 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 in place. Just a symbolic. Because, you, you know, you can't do the journalists. Can't do the kittens these days either, unfortunately. Can't, this is causing cancer. Anything causes cancer, you morons. Anything. What have I got in my garden? There's some leaves out there. Go out and eat those leaves and stuff your gob with those every day. Eventually, that'll give you cancer. Breathing in the air gives you cancer. Eventually, you've got to die of something. All right, you you're gonna die. You're gonna die. Yeah, you're gonna die. What's it gonna be? I tell you what, these health food nuts and exercise freaks and all the rest of it, they all end up riddled with cancer in their 60s and 70s. And then someone who's smoking cigarettes and eating butter and drinking red wine goes well into their 90s and eventually dies in their sleep. I know which one I want. But you don't get it. You don't get a say in that. But this, this is comments right. It's absolutely natural selection. And I look at my article on Europe versus Australia, and all the Australians who have been reading this and saying, oh, yeah, well, 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 there's no way. Well, well, well. This is natural fucking selection at work, people. If you are believing the bullshit that they're saying about Europe, but you've never been to Europe, or your only trip to Europe was on a 15-day Contiki bus tour of Italy, well, then go fuck yourself royally, you morons. And the same people would, 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 if Europeans were talking about Australia, like, oh, we're about to be all be ass-raped by kangaroos because they're saying on the news they'll be laughing at them. Wake up and smell the roses, people. Because if not, it's natural selection. Natural selection. There's another comment on this America uh, piece. Listen to this one. By anonymous white male says. I'm going to read this one. It's really good. I retired from the pharmacy profession recently. I have known for decades that science cannot be trusted. Sure, there are some dedicated researchers that are doing work that doesn't make them rich, which advances our knowledge, but not so for the pharmaceutical industry. Each drug that comes out has a war chest put aside for the inevitable lawsuits. Their research has shown them that they can accept X number of fatalities from their drug. If the income from sales exceeds the cost of litigation, they'll keep selling it. I watched the development and marketing of statins. Statins supposedly lower blood cholesterol by blocking a liver enzyme that creates cholesterol. Liver damage is one of the main side effects of statin use. It works to some degree, but is blood cholesterol a demon it has been portrayed as? For thousands of years, people have eaten cholesterol. Is cholesterol a major cause of heart attacks and strokes? No. Statins have made billions for their makers. Do doctors actually study the research about pharmaceuticals? Not really. They rely on the drug company's sales reps to tell them what they need to know and then watch journals to see which are the best or worst. Opinions that are influenced by payola. Doctors. If you've read my first book, and if you haven't, why haven't you? I do this podcast for free. The only payment you can give me is to go and buy my books. So go and buy my books, you cheap fucks. If you've read my first book, know that I got ulcerative colitis uh, in my uh, mid-20s, um, which is uh, Latin for not a friend. 
And um, I went to a bunch of doctors back in Perth in Australia, and uh, they were like, here you go, here's boxes of anabolic steroids. Take these for the rest of your life. I was just like, what? What? Doctor after doctor? Oh, yeah, just take those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's more boxes of the stuff. By the way, the street value, the shit they were giving me was out on the, on the illegal street value market was out of this world. I was like, nah, nah, no way. There's no way I'm pumping my body full of these drugs for the rest of my life. But the side effects of the drugs, it was like three pages long on the internet. And this was 1997. The internet wasn't even a thing then, and we found three pages of side effects of these drugs. It's like osteoporosis, suicidal depression, uh, turning into a lefty. Horrible shit. Eventually I found a good doctor. Said this has been my treatment. You happy with this treatment? I went, yeah, that sounds good. Give it, give it a shot. Three weeks later, cured. Uh, six weeks later, I think it was. Cured. Of all the other doctors, by the way, told me I would have to live with a condition for the rest of my life. Morons at best. Lying criminal corporate fucks would be a more accurate term for these doctors. Why are you trusting doctors? Do you trust lawyers? Why are you trusting architects? Look at the architecture that we have in Australia right now. These people should be strung by lampposts of what they've done to our cityscapes. It's an absolute disgrace. Who else are you trusting? Accountants? You would tell, I trust used car salesmen more than doctors because at least I know with a used car salesman where he's at. He wants to sell me a car at the most amount of money he can and he wants to buy my car off me for the least amount of money he can. I know where the goalposts are. Now it's just negotiation up to that point. But people going to doctors, and I was like, ah, doctors, ah, the doctor said this, the doctor said this. The scientists, all scientists ever did, oh, there's this new article in the New York Times that says that uh, cancer will give you, no, chalk coffee will give you cancer of the nose. Oh, my God. Morons, morons, morons. Once again, as Missy says, this is natural selection. If you can't figure out when you're being lied to, you'll be weeded out of the long-term picture. All of those people who believed the bullshit, that butter was bad for you and margarine was good, that salt was bad for you but wicked. What about the fake sugars? Oh, don't put natural sugar into your system. We'll put these uh, chemical stuff. That'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. All, all these people who believe this, that, and I was like, have you seen the diabetes rates now? And I was, I was speaking to, who was I speaking to about this? A doctor that I actually respect, because um, I did my homework. And he was talking about, and he's in his, in his 60s, he was saying that, he might be even older than that. Um, the diabetes rates in the 70s were basically non-existent. There was just like, it was extremely rare for diabetes or allergies or any of this sort of stuff. Now it's off the charts. The same point in time, the first time in history the government started to tell us what to eat was the 60s. And from that point we've had heart disease go through the roof, we've had um, cancers go through the roof, we've had diabetes go through the roof, we've had allergies go through the roof. Don't listen to the media. Yeah? If you don't know about something, find out. 
find out by going to the place yourself or talking about someone whose opinion you respect and do the homework on it to find out that person's opinion you respect. And they've got to have skin in the game and they can't be selling you something. Don't eat butter, eat margarine. They're selling you margarine. Don't listen to the government. They have no skin in the game because they're taking your money. You're paying them to tell you stuff and then you're believing them. They have no skin in the game. They're bureaucrats. Don't listen to the media. Don't listen to the government. It's natural selection at work. If you don't know when you're being lied to, and if you're too intellectually lazy and mentally deficient to want to work it out, you will be weeded out by natural selection. I'm still stunned at the comments on that post from XYZ magazine. These people literally have their heads in the sand in Australia. Literally have your heads in the sand. Australia is in deep, deep shit. People have been saying to me, come to America, come to America. Why don't you move to America? Are you, are you crazy? Are you crazy? That's why I wouldn't even think of going to Great Britain. There's a problem with Anglo-Saxon countries. Canada. Canada right now could say, oh, Adam, look, we really want you. Here's some, uh, come in, here's some citizenship. Uh, here's this. I'd only do it if it was like in the middle of the Yukon. And even then, I might not be might not be happy about it because dentists. Yeah? Dentists. What? What's he talking about? Dentistry. Dentistry, yeah? Yeah? You've got you've got an abscess, you want a dentist. Yeah, and you don't want a dentist from the nineteenth century. I'll tell you that right now. So yeah, I'm moving to Europe. And yeah, I think by the way, am I correct? Dunno. I can't predict the future. I did pretty well on Trump and Brexit, though. But what I can do, to the most of my ability, is observe, get the facts, speak to people, and make an informed decision. My informed decision of living in Australia and a long time in Europe is that Australia in comparable comparison to Europe, is fucked and has far less chance of pulling itself out of this downward spiral. The fastest growing economy in the world at the turn of the 20th century was Argentina. Argentina was like Kaching. Its natural resources, its climate, its position geographically in the world. Kaching, 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 Kaching. Well, Argentina is not Kaching for about since about 1950. If, if, if we keep on saying Australia is the lucky country, and this is a misnomer, it wasn't built on luck because Africa has more natural resources than Australia, and far less. Most of Australia's desert, most of it is uninhabitable. People say, why isn't Australia, you know, with the population of the USA? You look at the USA, and of that whole continent of the USA, there's this tiny corner that's desert, and you've got the Great Plains. The Great Plains. There you go. All of that centre part. Now think of America, but take away 
the entire Great Plains. And you can only cluster people around LA. So, so Washington State and Oregon and all that, that's all desert. That's gone. Yeah. All the middle is gone from top to bottom. Texas is gone. You can't live there. North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, right? Desert, 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 desert. All the way across the Great Lakes, desert, desert, yeah? All the way. Get to the Appalachians, maybe, and you've just got that coastal strip there, and maybe just around North Carolina on the, and South Carolina on the coast, and maybe down around Florida, that'd be about it. That's Australia. Lucky country, no, no. Hard-working country. We've been, we've been living off the backs of our forefathers' efforts and keep going around, we're the lucky country, we're the lucky country, we're the lucky country. We're the, did you hear that we're the lucky country? Yeah, yeah, we're the lucky country. Oh, thank God, we're the lucky country. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, all this stuff, oh, it's okay. We're the lucky country. We're the lucky country. No, we're not. We're the fucking moron country. All right, shout-outs. The good captain, Captain Capitalism, uh, linked to me a lot this week. Um, thanks for that, Cappy. Um, linked to me a lot because he has been doing a paper. He's been writing a paper. No, it's not a book. It's a paper, and he had it up here. Let's have a look. The thing I like about Cappy's site is it loads fast. Uh, his new essay, Poor Richard's Retirement, The New Retirement for Everyday Americans by Aaron Clary. It's not out yet. It's an essay. It's around 40 to 50 pages. But he's been working on that um, for the last few weeks. So he's been liberally linking around the internet. And I ended up having my best, best viewing day on the blog ever as a result of that. Um, which was just the other day. I had over 2,000 views in one day, and um, that was largely... My average viewing now is around 1,000. My best before this was about 1,600, and Cappy blew it up over 2,000, uh, 2,074. Um, oh, and uh, this last month, April, for the first time, I broke 30,000 views in a month. So... Um, going pretty well. So Cappy's licked me a lot. Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism's got a bunch of books out. Um, if you're if you're a young young guy and you're like, oh, university, college, um, oh, job and personal loans and credit cards and, uh, and no, read Bachelor Pad Economics by uh, Aaron Clary to work out your personal financial situa- situation. Um, read Worthless, Aaron Clary's guide to uh, which college degree to pick, which is probably not one at all. Um, and he's got a bunch of other books out and his arsehole consultancy firm, which he will tell you the truth um, for a small payment and make a video of it and mock you forever, but he'll keep your name. Um, only you will know that you've been mocked. Um, all right. I think that's it. I think that's it. So there we go. That's uh, episode 46. Don't believe the media. This has been Adam Piggott. Another Pushing Rubber podcast episode to dominate the airwaves. If you like this, get my books. First book, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Um, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures. 
where I go through how I, as a young man, directionless young man, I got direction. Okay. And then my second book, Run Guts, Pull Cones, A Rafting Adventure in the Italian Alps. Lots of uh, hijinks and rafting, you know, fun in the Alps in Italy. But the underlying theme is, you know, mas- what's it like to, to work, live and work in a really masculinized uh, profession? Um, which I think every young man can benefit from. Um, regrets. If I have, if I look back and go, regrets, you know, Adam, what what would you have done if you differently could be? Not many, but I think I would have liked to have joined the military. I really would have. I look back on it now. Um, if I could do it again, I'd join the military. Young men today, I don't know, because the military in the Anglo-Saxon countries has become so... Um, debased by PC feminization and all the rest of it. Uh, I don't know whether I want to inflict that upon myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I do differently. So I get my books, Run Guts, Pull Cones, Push Me Up Downhill, buy those from my blog. Follow my blog, follow me on the podcast, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Um, and um, it's goodbye from me, it's goodbye from him, it's goodbye from my cat, And hopefully I'll see you next week.